Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Interesting piece uh, read in the National Post, and uh, we're getting into ethics and, and politics, and well, some people tie those together to religion uh, with some of the debates, uh, polarizing debates we've had on some key issues. Uh, medical assistance and death, of course, the MAID program, and uh, and that's uh, been put on hold. The latest iteration of that, of course, uh, is extending that to what they call mature youth. Uh, they, they're still kind of kicking that one up and down, and a number of other issues as well. Uh, a lot of it is covered in this, this piece that I read. Uh, it's called, When Politics Comes Before Patients, Why and How Canadian Medicare is Failing. Uh, and uh, the piece, that it's specifically entitled, uh, The Right Must Talk About the Morality of Gender-Affirming Care and Assisted Suicide. The author is uh, Dr. Sean Watley, who is the, the author of uh, the piece, and uh, somebody who's got some very strong opinions on the way we are dealing with some of these issues, and more importantly, maybe the way our leaders uh, and our quote-unquote experts are dealing with this. Uh, doctor, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you, sir. What was the motivation for for, for writing this piece in the Post? Well, we've been seeing crazier and crazier stories that are just breaking our hearts. So we think of Jolly uh, Jacqueline Hollyoke in Fergus considering medical aid and dying because she has chronic pain and she's on ODSB. She says, if I had more money to actually get the, the fundamentals for life, I wouldn't consider this. Amr Farsud in October last year, same thing. We hear about veterans uh, with PTSD being suggested uh, to consider MAID as a treatment. And then we also think of uh, Michelle Z up in, in Aurelia, um, with her detransitioning uh, lawsuit. And the only approach that those of us on the right, so, uh, you know, cl- conservatives and classical liberals tend to not, we tend to preference evidence, right? We want to say, well, look at the studies, you know, we're going to give all these people osteoporosis and look at the terrible things we're doing. Um, but in the absence of evidence, we don't really have much of an argument. And furthermore, if we get evidence to show that actually people um, enjoy life after they transition or or made is actually doing a good thing, yeah, I'm sure someone could come up with a study to show that sort of thing. Uh, What do you have then? And so we need to go beyond evidence. And the left uh, wingers of the world, Jagmeet Singh is a perfect example. They love to lecture us about corporate greed and selfishness as he stands there in his $2,000 suit. But those of us on the right are really nervous about using principles and morality in our arguments. And I think we need to consider that. But because that seems to be the concern here, and, and I know you touched on the piece about uh, well, gentleman that we know, Doctor D- Gordon Guyatt from McMaster University, uh, who who studied this and about evidence based medicine, and and it became kind of the uh, the clarion call, I guess, for for medical uh, students for the longest time. Uh, but if not evidence, then what do we base our decisions on? Well, evidence-based medicine is crucial. So hopefully I didn't give the message that we should stop following evidence. We absolutely do need evidence. The trouble is some things we can't get evidence on. So a commentator in the United States, Jonah Goldberg, uh, said this about the Hippocratic Oath, right? The Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. And, you know, it's an old-fashioned oath that doctors take. And, and it still has meaning, I think. But he said the Hippocratic Oath was not a triumph of science. It was a triumph of moral absolutism. So our whole approach to liberal democracy, in fact, is based on laws, and those laws are based on unprovable beliefs. So something simple like telling the truth or having civil conversation, allowing you to speak and then me to speak and that sort of thing, these principles can't be proved with evidence or or or, uh, or logic. They're arbitrary standards that we accept as a society. Society. So we need to be comfortable using that language, I believe, in this kind of a fundamental debate about life and death. 
so, and, and when we look at some of the key issues you talked about, and uh, the, the MAID program, I think, comes to mind. Uh, in some people's minds, a very polarizing debate about this, and, and they bring in morality, they bring into religion uh, to try to, I guess, substantiate their point of view or, or validate their point of view in situations like that. Uh, but does it do us any good to, to, to have the discussion on that level? Because rarely, when people are, are dug in, and, in in a polarizing issue like that, rarely do you, they move off of their position. So it doesn't really get us anywhere, does it? Well, ab- great point. So we have to separate ethics and morality, or I would include religion and morality. So religion and ethics refers to a system of rules and and sort of very specific dictates. This is how we should behave. This is the kind of people we want to be, that sort of thing. Whereas uh, morality is more on the level of principles. So it's, it speaks to the things that you and I both know are right, but we don't really have a way to articulate it. For example, we're in the springtime. We're going to see ducks walking across the road with a bunch of ducklings following them. Now, everybody in Canada slams on their brakes and we don't drive over the little ducklings. We just know that that would be a bad thing to do. We don't have laws about it. We don't have... uh you know, long books written about why it's bad to run over ducklings, but we kind of have a sense that, you know what, maybe we shouldn't do this. And so when you have those kind of discussions, you're talking about morality and principles, and people on the right of center are generally very nervous about using that kind of language because we don't want to be accused of being religious. However, the folks on the left use that language all the time. And I'm thinking of Jagmeet Singh because he does it so often and he's a great example of it, but yet they're not talking about religion. So I think we need to keep religion and moral principles separate. But to, in, in too many people's minds, the, the way I, I've seen the debates unfurl over the last little while, uh, morals and religion are interchangeable in some people's minds. Well, absolutely. You know, the Charter of Rights and Freedom separates the two. So if you look at Section 2, they talk about freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. So conscience is not the same as religion. Absolutely, we need freedom of religion. That's one of the basic planks of a liberal democracy that, that supports freedom. However, the freedom to be able to make a decision and make follow principles that you know in your heart are, are right, even though you can't point to a holy book or religion or, or, a, or a dictate that you, you feel you should follow. So there's a, a robust opportunity to talk about things that are right and wrong without saying, hey, you have to look at my holy book. I only suggest this because we're so fearful of being accused of being religious or forcing your religion on someone else. I think that's a legitimate fear. We shouldn't be doing that to people, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be able to use the language of morality. Well, exactly. And and that, I guess, is the crux of the, a lot of people's arguments, even when it comes to the debate about made or, or some of the other things you've touched on in the piece here, too, is uh, you, you don't want to be flexible. You don't want to, to find middle ground here because that you're abandoning your moral standards and, and adopting theirs. And then you, there's a resentment there that, you know, don't force your standards on me. So I, I, I wonder sometimes when we have these, for instance, like we had the justice minister on the program a few weeks ago, Mr. Lametti was talking about, you know, having hearings about the the extension of made and, and and as you talked about the you know the idea of uh, for mature youth uh, and and some people would suggest that that's a bridge too far for them to go but there's nobody going to appear before that committee is there a doctor who's going to give the definitive answer as to whether it's the right thing to do or not no, absolutely. We can't get a definitive answer, but we can start having the discussion by saying, is this something that is cruel, right? Is it cruel to watch people who are asking for made primarily because they are poor and they don't have enough resources? Is that something we want in our civilized society? And and so I think we can have that discussion on that point. The issue with liberal democracy is 
we we no longer have our arguments for the principles upon which our democracy is based, right? It, essentially, the only thing we all agree on is that choice. Choice trumps everything. And and I think we're now getting to the limits of, okay, well, does choice mean you should you can end your life because you're poor? I'm not sure most Canadians want to live in a country like that, but I, I, I'm just trying to raise the debate. Well, which is exactly what you've done, because uh, it was, it's a fascinating, very thought-provoking article, and uh, I'm hoping a few of the decision-makers up in Ottawa uh, have read it, and it give them pause for, for the way they're approaching some of these topics as well. Dr. Uh, a, thanks for writing this, and B, thanks for spending some time with us this morning. I really appreciate it. Great questions, Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you. Dr. Sean Watley, uh, author of the piece, and you can still check it out. I think it's on the National Post webpage still, uh, and you can uh, make your own decisions about that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.